Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald, and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about Netflix series Griselda and how it portrayed friendship among women. I'm joined by guest co-host and podcaster, comedian Mala Munoz, and later I will be joined by writer Lisa Sayens. But first, Mala, gracias for joining me. How are you feeling? How's your heart? My heart is full. I just walked my dog on this rainy, <laughs> on this rainy LA morning, and there's nothing like cleaning up after your dog on oh. a wet sidewalk. <laughs> yes, I have a dog, and I know how that feels. And I want to be like, "Hey, uh, can you hurry it up?" And I feel like he takes the longest when it's a rainy day, and I'm just like, "You know, you don't even like it out here. Hurry up!" Like it's. <laughs> I'm really grateful for you joining me because you're out here in these podcasting streets. So always sharing your opinions. And Griselda is, I, I kind of binge watched it and I've been meaning to just because I am a fan of the whole Narco series. So I was excited to see how this one would play out. But what's kind of what's your big picture take on on the series on Griselda? Well, first things first, I just want to shout out Sofia Vergara for her performance. Yes, yes. Let's talk about it. Yes. You know, I want to start there. I really felt like this series was a big deal for her and her career. And she's been in the industry and acting internationally, not just in the United States, but she's been out there working for a really, really, really long time. Yes. And we know her as a beauty and as this comedic actress, this comedic genius in many ways. I mean, she was so funny on Modern Family. So to see her in this role doing drama, playing a character who is a murderer, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and a kingpin. It was really cool. Like I was really impressed by her and happy for her. And um, I want to start there. You know, I thought she did a great job. And I really did like the way that they crafted the story to show how she brought other women into her world for better or for worse, for good or for bad. I'm not saying like, oh, like Griselda was such a great lady who like empowered ladies and like <laughs> jobs for women. Not that, but <laughs> that is actually well, she did. Yeah, no, you're and yes, in many ways, you know, that's part of the storyline is she's bringing yes. these women from Colombia to Miami. And there's that scene where they're at the motel and they're taking drugs out of their bras and they're making statements like, well, this is this is way better than sucking dick, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than whatever we were doing out in these streets in Colombia. Yeah. So first, yeah, back to Sofia. Sofia Vergara is like incredible as Griselda. Like, and at first she was a little bit unrecognizable to me, but it's because of those like prosthetic little tweaks that they did and the makeup. But it just really showcases her range and her versatility as an actress. And I'm glad that we saw it. I feel like we've known, especially those who have been following Sofia's work for a minute, from novelas to like modern family to hosting. We know her range, but I feel like she really shined as Griselda. I feel like she also could 
kind of step into the role as because she is from Colombia. She is a Latina. She speaks Spanish. So I feel like she really took advantage that she could do this. And she's pretty ferocious, as Griselda. But to your point, I feel like that's where the criticism and a little bit of like the discomfort comes from is because they it is a story, an anti-hero story, right? Like it's this businesswoman, woman, mother, businesswoman trying to succeed and lead in like a male-dominated industry. And she's a murderer. Like, no big deal. Let's just tag that into the the end. And that's where I'm just like, you know, centering a drug lord, Latino or Latina, yet again, kind of gives a sense of glorifying because they're ruthless. So I wonder how much that helps already the like stereotypes that are perpetuated uh, on a day to day and also how it hurts those who are involved or like witness this in real life. But she her acts are so inhumane. But through this series, it's clear that they want to humanize her, that they want you to like champion her as, again, like this woman that's trying to succeed and lead in this like industry that's mostly all men. So how do you feel about like that angle? You know, I think that it's a really, every time this sort of discourse comes around, I I think it's a really um, interesting intellectual exercise. <laughs> but... You know, like, why are we platforming murderers and why are we glorifying and telling these stories? And, you know, it's like, okay, I appre- again, I appreciate the conversation and the discourse and the intellectual exercise, but that's Hollywood, baby. Like, yeah. it's... <laughs> I always think of, I I love Goodfellas. I love The Sopranos. I love The Godfather. I'm always going to go back to those three. Nobody is, nobody is out there saying, oh my God, why are we platforming a story about somebody like Tony Soprano and humanizing him and showing him in therapy and they're all murderers. They're all killing people and they all get their screen time, you know, whether fiction or nonfiction, a compelling story with entertainment value is going to get made and people are going to watch it. And so for me, um, I, I appreciate the conversation, but honey, the series is out there. It's done. It's made. And they're going to make more, you know, and we're going to yeah. tune in. We're going to watch it. And then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. The way I think of it is like, you have to be aware that it's also heavily fictionalized, right? In order for it to be as universally captivating The reason we watch it, the reason we like these stories is because they do humanize monsters. You do show these complexities of these, you know, for example, Griselda as a mother, she's also a drug lord and she tries to do right, I guess you could say it, by her her children, by deciding what she does. Two things could be right at the same time. This story can live and there also can be other narratives out there, which is what we do need. We need more narratives. We need more range of narratives, especially for uh, Latinxes. But I think that this is, like you said, it's like, we don't also have this conversation with the Sopranos or the Goodfellas. And I love Goodfellas too. Yeah. Or previous Narcos installments with men, you know. Yeah. Men at the at the helm in the forefront. It's like we sort of accept when men are violent on screen. We don't raise red flags when men are mass murderers on in TV and film. <laughs> yeah. That's something that we accept from them. And we don't we don't protest that. It doesn't alarm us. Um, we don't create discourse around violent men on screen. I think there is like discourse and conversation and studies out there about the glorification, right, of like in true crime, especially like real serial killers 
who get tons of, of documentaries and movies um, and fan bases basically um, cultivated and grown around them. Yeah. I was going to say that there's been discourse of how women consume these true crime type of documentaries and also kind of like lust over some of these murders. So it's really interesting to see these two discourses play out where like when it's a murder that's a man, you do have a fan base that's like lusting over them, which is interesting. And And in real life, most of them get married in prison. (laughs) I I don't think I went that far to think about that. The fact that like their life continues on. Yeah. Scott Peterson got married in prison. I mean, Richard Ramirez, when he was on trial, there were were women showing up in person fangirling. Yeah, that's wild. We don't see that with Griselda now that that we're talking about. (laughs) You you know? we're talking about, yeah. And so I'm not saying like, oh, equal rights for female (laughs) sociopaths. (laughs) (laughs) Equal rights for female murders. I'm just saying like, I roll my eyes so hard at, at the outrage cycle. Anytime, any, anytime a woman does anything, you know, it's like go, because I think part of what happens, this is what I notice with Latinos in particular. I think that we are more prone to demonstrate our outrage and discontent. We project it out to people we don't know. We'll project it onto a TV show or a politician or a celebrity. A lot of us are are putting really a, a lot of time and effort into creating content online about our discontent towards those third parties. But as a community, I know good and goddamn well that you guys are not, we're not going home and confronting the violence in the family or the bigotry in the family or, yeah. you know, the person in the family causing harm and trauma. Instead, we project that out onto people that are away from us and that really have nothing to do with us and actually don't really impact our lives in any way, shape, or form. And I see a lot of that. And maybe that's just me psychoanalyzing the community, but like, why not? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's what we're doing. That's the exercise, you know? Yeah. It's more so like there's less of those conversations. There's more conversations of us looking outwards, like you said, like at least from what I've seen, I could totally agree. Um, you mentioned like when we were, when you first talking about the show overall, just really kind of how she brings these women in. We actually first start with her coming to Carmen, which is like her, for the first friend that we see her with is she comes and she brings her, her son to her home when she's trying to escape Colombia and Carmen takes her in. And it sounds like they both have been through similar situations with their husbands or ex-husbands of being abused in some kind of way. But that friendship definitely evolves. Like, how did you feel of like that introduction of that friendship? You know, I thought it was really a nice setup to sort of give us not an explanation, but an understanding of why she later goes to the lengths that she goes. She's escaping violence and she's trying to keep her sons alive and safe and taken care of. And that's really like her impetus in this story and in this show. And the people initially, uh, like her friend, right, are, are the ones who like see that and are willing to play ball with her. Yeah. Because it's like, this is a mother who's trying to make a living and to survive, whether it's in Colombia or in her new home in Miami. And so 
as the story evolves, obviously I think Griselda, she, you know, she gets a little cocky. She gets a little <laughs> jealous. She gets a little manic. She gets a, a little, little paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. A little paranoid, a little homicidal, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at the core, she's still a mother. Yeah. She's still a mother. <laughs> and, and so I feel like that was an, a, a really smart choice on, on their part to center, center, not only the friendship, but the motherhood at the kind of mm. core of it all, the core of her motivations. Yeah, I mean, and that does stay true as you as you said throughout the entire series. As she is still trying to protect her children. Other shit happens clearly, and she, but her decisions are made are rooted from that of being a mother. And then we do have, like you mentioned, the women that she brings from Colombia with drugs in their bras. And as they're taking out, they're pretty excited at this opportunity to be in America to begin with and to just switch up switch up the scene, switch up the industry. But you could tell that they admire her from start. I do think that she gets the name, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the godmother from one of the women. And I think mm. it's actually, it's either who Carol G plays or who her real life cousin plays, Isabel. But it's interesting because that I didn't know that that's where that name came from. It's from actually another woman that she put on, I guess you could say. So you did mention that relationship, but tell me more about what you think of that relationship between the women, those women she brings to Miami. And I like that detail because, well, yeah, who else would refer to her like in this world, in this context, who else would be calling her La Madrina? La Madrina, other than, yeah. Other than other women who are maybe younger, you know, who have an affinity, True. who have some connection, who rely on her in, in different ways. You know, it makes sense. That title is, it's so fitting and fitting that it would come from one of the girls. And, you know, this storyline also of like women from Latin America being utilized as drug mules Pretty um, much. Going yeah. from Latin America, coming into the United States. I mean, we have stories like that. Maria Full of Grace is a really epic film that also has a similar storyline. It's much more dramatic and intense and tragic. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, than this. This is, Griselda is a little bit more, it's a little bit more action, you know. It's a little, it, it is drama, but it's not like a tragedy. Um, the way other other films portraying, you know, drug trafficking and women from Latin America are because it is a traumatic, horrible thing in the series. However, it's sort of set up as, you know, everybody in this world is hustling. Everybody in this world, they're either they're sex workers or they're drug dealers or they're hitmen for hire. And this is the context, you know, this is, these are the players. And so are, we have to kind of adjust our moral compass and remember that it's not us making these decisions and weighing these options. It's these uh, archetypes in this universe. Yeah. So for those women, like we said earlier in this episode, this is like a level up for them in some ways. Yeah. From sex work in Colombia to drug dealing in Miami. And what does that mean for their quality of life? In the, in the show, it suggests that it it's, it's going to help them improve their quality of life. Yes. And what else, what other options exist for them to help them, you know, make those leaps, if not this, is sort of what we're set up to, you know, understand. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like there's this conversation of sacrifice, of like kind of what are you willing to sacrifice, how much of it for how much. And I feel like, yeah, the women came to Miami thinking, all right, this is 
a step up or like an upgrade to the life or the work that they were doing. And I don't think that they, some of the women were like, we could go back to it. Like if we're not make, if we're not going to make money ASAP, right? They were like, we, I, we could go back and make money ASAP. So it's more so of like, they get to define what the work they did before means to them. But most of them do seem like they rather be in Miami doing what they're doing for Griselda than going back to Colombia and doing what they were doing there. And it does, it's very clear very early on that they do admire this woman because of this opportunity, but also as a lot of the women in the show, they just are excited to see a woman win and a woman, you know, I think there's one, there's a call that her and Isabel have where Isabel's pretty much like, you've already kicked them in the balls, like actually like go in, like do it so they feel it. And I think again, it's just like you're rooting for this woman to win and you're also grateful that she's giving you this opportunity. There's a a part where I think after some of some of the women are murdered and one of the one of the guys there is also murdered, the mother of this guy comes to her and she's just like, I'm so grateful for you because you gave my son an opportunity and I can't wait for my sons, my other sons to come to Miami and you could give them the same opportunity. And it almost like fueled her of just like, okay, I'm gonna do this for her. This woman's son just died and she's just like, I'm very grateful for what you're doing. And I think that throughout it, that's like a common thread throughout the entire series. It's like kind of women cheering other women on. Yeah. And so, and, and in the, I agree completely. And in the show, there's this setup where it is a male dominated industry, the drug trade in Miami and elsewhere. And what that means really is there's this concentration of power and of resources and of capital. And so I think what the women are really asking and getting at is like, why should they have the whole pie? And, you know, we're here too. We need resources. We want work. We want a piece of the pie. We want a piece of the power. We want some of that capital. And and I think it's really interesting to talk about like, there are these informal economies everywhere that immigrants participate in. And I'm not saying it's all drugs or illicit activity or trafficking. It's not. But generally speaking, like immigrant communities create these informal economies within communities to survive, you know, like informal banking and lending and all kinds of things that people do to get on and to survive and to acquire resources. And so this is just like in that universe of this is outside of the government. This is outside of education. This is outside of nine to fives and taxable income and things that require a social security (laughs) number. This is an informal economy. And so folks are like, how can I get in? And so Griselda ends up becoming this avenue and the opposite of a gatekeeper. She's bringing women into the fold to get a piece of the pie. Yeah. And I think that that's That's a good point of like, they need this revenue, like they need this stream of income. And it seems from what they portray, right, that they are all there by choice. When we go back to like these women and how they're all friends, I feel like they they're all really close until there is a break of trust, whether it's like paranoia. And like you said, she gets a little crazy at times because, well, because she's on drugs pretty yes. much. Like I think of, I think of the birthday party when she does a different type of drug and she is on another level of paranoia. But what do you think of like the breaking point of these friendships? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a classic don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> yes. Cautionary tale. Yeah. 
And we see how um, doing the drugs that they're also peddling and selling is fueling her downfall and the downfall of the people around her and those relationships. And um, that birthday party scene, right, where she's like waving the gun around and yelling at everybody and telling them to strip and bark like dogs. And, <laughs> yes, you know, a scene like that is also highlighting for us, like the show is not saying that Griselda is like, you know, the patron saint of ladies. Right, right. <laughs> she's yeah. not like the patron saint of entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, you know, this 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 lady, you know, she had issues and she hurt people and, you know, was prone to these types of behaviors. And um, that one scene where she's with her friend and they're like drinking and they're getting high and they're talking about all their big plans. And then her friend yes. just like dies. Yes. Yeah. Martha. 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 Just, yeah. I think that she overdoses. Right. Yes. And like, yes. but they're both high. So they really don't know what's going on to begin with. And Martha gets really excited when Griselda offers her an opportunity to be her partner. Um, and I feel like it seems as if Martha feels very seen for the first time, uh, because, again, she is among all men, uh, mostly all the time. It was an interesting scene because they they get really excited at the thought of working together, but they're both high and all of a sudden it ends. Like their friendship ends, her Martha's life ends, like everything ends. And it's almost like back to reality for Griselda. And I feel like that friendship was also really interesting because Martha was the one friend that kind of had her ear mm. on the other women, especially Carmen, who was her first, the first friend we saw her with. So that was an interesting kind of like dynamic of Martha coming in and putting like things in her ear while they're both high. So it only gets more dramatic. And then Carmen ultimately kind of betraying Griselda for her own safety. Uh, so I don't know what you thought of that, of like Carmen kind of betraying Griselda by snitching. Yeah, I... It so I think it actually gets at sort of the kind of like thesis of this, the whole conversation and, and like female friendship in this world. Were they actually friends? Yes, I have. I was going to ask you that. Were they really friends this entire time? Was there truly any friendship or is this all business? Is yeah. this all hustle? Is this all business? And is this all survival and survival of the fittest? And if, if you start getting messy and fucking up and fucking up the money and the opportunity and, and drawing bad attention from people yeah. like the police, um, <laughs> yes. just, you know, all that friendship stuff goes out the window and we got to, it's self-preservation now. Yeah. And it's interesting because if it was men, right, I think when looking back at when I watch Narcos and one would betray the other, I don't think we would have a conversation of were they really friends. It was right. just business. But because I believe they're women and because Carmen kind of like housed her and her kids, we're like, damn, that's that's betrayal of friendship. It gets more personal. But you're right. This ultimately overall, it was all business. And I don't think that I feel like they both were lying to each other on the fact that it wasn't business, but I don't know what you think about that. I think it's like this interesting dynamic that I, I believe happens in real life with women where, and I don't, I don't want to generalize, make general generalizations about women and like how women move, because obviously that's so impossible to do. But I think there is this sort of like tendency, like like the, the girl's bathroom effect, the women's bathroom effect that we talk about, like you're at a club, you're at a bar, 
And the women's bathroom is the most supportive, loving place. And (laughs) we're complimenting each other and taking mirror pics and crying on each other's shoulders and cleaning up each other's vomit. And that's where you make your (laughs) bestest friends in the whole world. I've had those experiences, right? Yeah. You don't know this person when you walked in, but you walk out best friends. Yeah. We're besties now. And I think there's a little (laughs) bit of that. Women maybe will allow ourselves, I like you, I click with you we're going to get really close really fast and share mm. all of our deepest, darkest secrets and have sleepovers and braid each other's hair and paint each other's toenails and whatever you need, anything you need, whatever you need. And I think that's a beautiful thing about womanhood. And I think that's a, a gorgeous thing about um, the connections that women are able to make with one another. I think that maybe like in the series, it's there's almost like a tiny element of that sprinkled in. And then we have to ask ourselves like how sustainable... And authentic is that dynamic. As in like, was it, I guess it goes back to the question of, was it ever really real? And how much is it on us that we wanted it to be real? Because we both came in not knowing this other human and coming out being like, I will give the world to you if you need it. Um, Yes. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Is there almost like a love bombing component? I didn't even think of that term, but that, that is kind of what that is, right? Yeah, to like that kind of that 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 really that burst of female friendship at the beginning at the front end and mm. whatever you need and and anything for you and your kids and I got you and we're best, you know, is there a little love bombing there? And and again, so is that sustainable now if some if there's a threat or are we gonna turn around and snitch and cut the bond immediately? Have you had some love bombing in your women friendships now when you think about it? You know, I think that um I've I think that it's like I don't think that it's been something that has been like in one directional. I think it's something that I've noticed that will like do to each other. There's almost this like high, especially if you're partying, like for Zelda <laughs> and her friends. Yes. Especially if you're partying, you're dancing, you're drinking, you're imbibing, you're smoking yeah. together, you're having fun, you're crying together, you're getting emotional. There's this high, there's these endorphins. And, you know, oh, my God, I love you. You're so great. No, yeah. you're so great. You're so pretty. No, you're no pretty. Yeah. All of that. And then I never yeah. see you again. Yes. <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's really true. Being in the situations, you might not ever see that person again. But you know what, though? That that does feel real, right? We could both oh, t- yeah. attest to when we're in it. It does feel real. I could think of like when I was at bars or clubs and like that happened and I felt it. And then I'm like, all right, bye. And like, that is, <laughs> that is it. So I can only imagine having that feeling, I guess in this case for in the series where Cristal that feels that, and then it's back to reality of like, I got to take care of my kids. So whatever I got to do to take care of my kids, whoever gets in the way, that's when it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man she's going to do what she has to do. And I feel like we see that with Carmen, where Carmen brings her in. Carmen wants to kick her out because of what she's starting to do again and all these things. They have this like roller coaster of a friendship. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised as to what, you know, Carmen snitching on her. But I do think I wanted that friendship to actually win because it seemed like they came in together. But I guess that wasn't the case. But yeah. And I would be curious. I haven't done enough reading and research into Griselda Blanco's actual life and and career. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But her career as an entrepreneur. But I would be so curious to know, you know, if there was these women, if these women really, truly figured 
into her journey and her trajectory. And if, if these, these people existed or a person that they then turned into different characters, I'm just curious, you know, or is this like a total, you know, for the sake of the storyline, for the sake of the narrative, did they create these women and these connections and these storylines? I I don't know what that would do for me, but I, I wonder. Yeah. I mean, when you do, when you have, or when I have seen, right, news stories, like we said that, it's always been the men that she's killed. That's always what's attached to her name, right? Or the men that she's dated and then killed. So, like, yeah. it's ne- <laughs> it was never, like, the friendships, especially women friendships of Griselda. So I'm wondering if, like, that was important for them to highlight or dramatize, almost, in order for her to be more human, for people to kind of, like, connect with her, is that she is this businesswoman. I mean, she is, she is a businesswoman in a male dominated industry and they portray her as someone that brings up and brings in more Latinas. So yeah, I do wonder if that was like something that they almost felt like they needed to do to humanize her even more. Cause it's very possible that Griselda Blanco had no female friends, (laughs) you know, and was a a guy's, a guy's girl in some ways. Mm. That's very possible. Like, it's very possible that they created uh, a sort of pseudo-feminist storyline for us for the sake of the series, you know? Yeah, it's so funny. I just uh, looked up, did Griselda have women friends? friends. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing that popped up was, did Griselda Blanco have a girlfriend? Which <gasps> is interesting Ooh. because she is with women on the show, but it seems like it's by, like, passing, not like she had a girlfriend. But she had a formed a close relationship with a woman named Carolina, who becomes her best friend, confidant, and lover. Interesting. Very interesting. Do we don't see Carolina from what I remember on this show? Right. And so what an interesting choice, you know. So, you know, at, at creating maybe these other women that she interacts with based on that woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like wait a minute here. <laughs> curious, very yeah. curious. But overall, though, like, what do you think this show tells you about friendship, especially among women? Ooh, girl, um, don't mix business with pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All any type of pleasure, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it's a she's playing a she, she's playing a dangerous game. <laughs> you know, she's playing Russian roulette. And, and I think that it's this cautionary tale. I mean, it's not really a cautionary tale because it's like, I don't know. I don't think that any of us are at risk of like following in her footsteps and like making this <laughs> at series this point, of choices. From what we know of each other, we're kind of late to that game. Yeah, we're for too, sure. We're too late. We're too late. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't got to worry about all of that. But yes. It's, um, you know, I think, what does it say about female friendship? Man, I think, I think, you know, what it's, what it tells me is that when ladies stick together and we put our minds and our talents together, we can accomplish (laughs) anything good or bad, uh, philanthropic or sinister. (laughs) Shut up, philanthropic. (laughs) It could be, we can go, we can take our power, collective powers, um, and we can really achieve anything that we want. Criminal or otherwise. And <laughs> it's up I, to you to decide. Yeah. It's up to you to decide how you use we're not your feminine wiles. violence. We're not, uh, we're no. actually just uh, saying that if women work together, we could pretty much do anything. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, in whatever <laughs> in whatever direction, you know, are you a Cruella DeVille? You know, the just sky's get, the limit. The yeah. sky's the limit. You can do it, girl. You can do it. Oh my gosh, Mala. Um, I appreciate you co-hosting with me. You have mad projects that you're on. Do you want to share where people can find you? Sure. Well, Erica, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. This has been delightful. And uh, I do podcast. I am uh, half of a podcast over at the My Cultura Podcast Network, which is part of iHeart. And uh, the show that I co-host um, with my co-conspirator, Diosa, it's Lovely called... Diosa. Yeah. Yes, Diosa <laughs> Femme. Uh, we have a show called Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella. And yes, our new season is coming out this spring. So go ahead and find us on the iHeart app and subscribe and all that good stuff. I have a solo show that I host called Marihuanera, a podcast for potheads. And I do a little stand up around town. So you can follow my Instagram at Mala underscore Munoz to see show flyers and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much. I know I've been seeing a lot of flyers on your IG and I'm like, look at her, another show. I love it. We're gigging. We're gigging. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll be right back with our guest, Lisette. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Lisette, it's lovely to have you on What About Your Friends. How are you? How's your heart? I'm really, really good. I'm good. It's good to be here. <laughs> Good. When I was producing this episode of Griselda, specifically like the women friendships in Griselda, I did come across your article um, on Amesca, which I want to talk about. But before we kind of get into like that nitty gritty, what are like your overall thoughts and feels about Griselda, the show itself? I, I love Sofia Vergara in the role. Like, I specifically loved her because I don't think she's gotten a chance to do what she did in this role. She disappeared in the role. She was really, really good. And I feel like she's the kind of actress that's been kind of typecast in a role. And and in a way, the, the fact that she has been typecast in a role has led Latinas in general to be typecast into the role that she has been typecast as. Sofia Vergara has typecast the entirety of Latinas as <laughs> Sofia Vergara now, kind of. That's so interesting. I think like she did so well as Gloria in Modern Family that now there's this idea that all Latinas are Gloria in Modern Family, which we are not. It's gotten to a point where even she wanted to step away from being that thing that she did so well, which is what she did Griselda. In that regard, I think she did amazing. 
And she proved that she could really, really act, which I think people doubted. I think people were just like, she's pretty and she's funny. And part of her being funny is that she's pretty. And that's it. But no, she's just really, really good. And she disappears in the role and she can be cruel and kind of (laughs) harsh. In in that regard, it's really good. And then the other part is like, it's, it, it really is another narco story. Like we've seen so many of those. It's like, did I need to see Pablo Escobar and then Narcos Mexico? And then this, and I know it's kind of follows like the same storyline and, and then, but I also saw Queen of the South and there, there comes a point where I'm like, oh, again, like, am I seeing the same thing over and over again? And then at least the fictional Queen of the South gave me like a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you want, Lisa, is a happy ending to all these like murders happening? No, because this not, I did not, this did not deserve a happy ending. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I kind of meant was like, at least the fictional Queen of the South had, did something different, quote unquote, in that it, it was telling a fictional story and it was always telling a fictional story. And that's why it gave us a happy ending. This one wasn't and never could. But in that way, I was like, um, when I was researching for that article that you mentioned, I, I came across the Colombian ambassador was uh, complaining that this is all people know of Colombia. And I f- felt like that was very fair. There was a moment where we we're talking about Encanto and that was what people were thinking about Colombia. And now we're back to this. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't think about, because I think when I think of Griselda, I do think of the a- other anti-hero drug lord type of narratives like Narcos and Queen of the South El Chapo, which is, it's funny because when I was done watching Narcos, or I was done watching Narcos Mexico, then I realized how many shows there are of El Chapo, but I get why it's so compelling. I talked about this with my co-host Mala earlier of just like, they're humanizing a monster, right? They're like showing the complexities of this person. And I do think that what you did touch on on your piece is that like touches on, it gives you a different angle of a woman putting on other women. So with the other narco stories, at least Narcos and Narcos Mexico, And I guess even Queen of the South, it was all pretty much this woman surrounded by men and trying to prove themselves. But in this case, Griselda, it shows Griselda also putting on other women and giving them an opportunity, which I think, again, is something that you you touched on, which I don't know. What do you think about that? Like that angle of Griselda? Overall, I think that's probably like that's what they wanted to do. I, I don't think it's the worst thing about the show. They really wanted to to sort of do the girl boss thing with Griselda because I think they felt like that was the thing that was going to set the story apart. It, it kind of sells an, an idea of like, oh, we can sanitize this because she was a girl boss, which I think is kind of like icky a little. Like, I think it does the 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 female friendship pretty well. And and I I, I actually don't have a problem with that. It's just that in the grander scheme of, oh, you're girl bossing a bad person. (laughs) Really? Like, it's not like she's a good person. Like, oh, remember all the people she killed and all the things she did? I don't think can be forgiven because, oh, girl boss. The little bow on top is the fact that she is like a girl boss and it almost makes things a little bit softer than what they really were in real life. Right. I think they were trying to sell us Griselda in a way that was easier for us to sort of, oh, how can we make this a character that people are going to like? 
in a way. And and I think Hollywood has a few ways of doing that with us. And one of them is like presenting like a softer side and like a mom. And and they could have done that with Griselda. And they I think they decided to just do the girl boss. And they they brought in the kids, but that wasn't like it wasn't like the soft side that they showed us with her. It was like the the mama bear, like there she's gonna do whatever for her kids. She's gonna be a, a girl boss. Because sometimes when they bring in the kids for a woman, they 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 do like oh she gets she's soft and she's gonna take care of the kids. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do that with Griselda, which I guess it's different, but it's also just sort of the two ways they they choose to portray women to sort of yeah. make you feel for them. My with you, like I agree with you. My favorite part is Sophia's acting is the way that she kind of like engulfed herself in this character. And I do think that she needed something after Modern Family where that she could actually like sink her teeth in and show her range. And I think this did an amazing job. And she even says in an interview, right, that she's not trying, the intention was never to glorify Griselda and that she wa- she went into this very cautious as to how to tell how to tell her story through playing her. So I think that she's also very aware of the conversations that are happening around it. Yeah, I, 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 I do see that there's an awareness that Griselda was not a good person. And I, I saw an interview from her where she was also saying, I, I would like to tell other stories. I just go to uh, studios and they're not buying other stories. Like I go there with other stories and they don't want to buy other stories and they want to buy these stories. So what do I do? So I, I also see that there's that. And I also think part of it is the public, like, the public that consumes these stories keeps consuming narco stories. So they, I think the problem is, is everywhere. It's not just... <laughs> yeah, it's who wants it and who's who's giving it to us at the same time. Like who's feeding who this need of these stories? You did say, like in your piece, you talk about like feminism. Like it shows us like, you say, quote, very shallow veneer feminism and also just how insincere that vibe is. Do you think it's because they centered that, like the fact that she's a girl boss, so kind of everything that came from it felt insincere? Or what do you think? I, I think it's partly that. And I also think it's partly like Sophia was involved, but I also feel like some of these girl boss narratives keep being told to us by men. Like, because the people behind us are the people from Narcos and Narcos Mexico. And like, even when you're telling me a girl boss story and Sofia Vergara is involved and she is at the center, when all of the girl boss stories, as much as they involve women acting wise, if the stories are being told by men, it, it's still, it's like when Latino stories are being told by white people. If you are at least going to tell me a girl boss narrative, at least let women tell this girl <laughs> yeah. boss narrative. It's why I think even like something like Queen of the South, which was fictional, had a little veneer of truth because it had a female showrunner and a Latina female showrunner. So Daylin Rodriguez managed a little bit of of that thing that sometimes Griselda didn't, which was um, there was a Latina telling a story that featured a Latina. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that like it is, I mean, it's directed by a man, by Andres Pais. This is created by like a couple people and it does include Ingrid. Ingrid Escajeda, it's, she's one of four... One of four, yeah, she's one of five writers. So I do think that like it is tied to that conversation of like, if you're going to tell this story, let's have it as authentic as possible. And that does, I that does mean like including more. If we're if we're gonna center this the 
a woman and also center this portrayal of women friendship. Like it's really important to get this authenticity. How do you think the way this is all portrayed influenced the way we saw friendship in the show between these women? I did feel a lot of things that felt genuine. Because so much of friendship, I feel on the big, on the small screen, on TV, on movies, are sometimes little things. Are things that like, oh, like someone's having a bad moment and you walk by and just a little touch. There, there are things that we recognize that we sometimes see reflected on TV are things that might not be on someone's script. That might be someone reacting because they, that might be how they react to their friends. So there is a lot that I can see just being when you film with a bunch of other women for four, five, six months, um, (laughs) there is a a bond that sort of like, I I can imagine that happening. What are those little moments that you saw? I, I just, I remember the scene by the pool where there were like, one of the first times where they were all talking, which was given instructions and there were like a bunch of women around the empty pool. Yeah. Like I, I just remember like little moments and little touches or little looks. The, there was a moment when Griselda was going off to talk to the men and like the women were would like look at each other or look at her and kind of like, you know, the little reassurances that women give each other where are like, are you okay? Yeah. Like it's yeah. not like they can do anything, but like there would be <laughs> like this reassurance of like, do you need me to do anything? even though the other person has like a gun and I can't do anything, but like I still (laughs) try, you know? Yeah. What is the issue that you had with how the way they did portray feminism on the show? Yeah, I I think my issue with the feminism is more or less that they use feminism as sort of like a patch to say, hey, she's evil, but she's a girl boss. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's less the feminism of it all. It's more like they use the feminism as a way to try to distract us from who Griselda was. Yeah. Um, and like, you could have sold me Griselda as... And like, I, I sometimes bothers me that people don't want to sell stories about women being evil. Like, mm. I can be evil. And I'm, like, what, what is the problem Hollywood has with evil women like there there have been evil women give me an evil like unapologetically evil i I don't need sanitizing of all women like sometimes women can just be evil like we can be like promise it's like every time (laughs) it's like i promise we can be i promise it that's a thing yeah there is like a a softening or a sexualizing of when a woman is plays like an evil an evil character. There always seems to be some sort of like, you know, like you said, almost like a patch to it or something that like minimizes like the cruelty or the ruthlessness. And I think that that's also what I thought of, of like, do people like it because she's ruthless, like despite her ruthlessness or, you know, like what is the, the appeal? But I, I do think that it's also very different with men that are portrayed as murderers or evil, right? Like I was uh, talking to Mala about this, that there's like, like the real life documentaries of men, uh, murderers that are men, they have fan bases that like lust over them. But you're right. Like there is this like softening to Griselda and it's not even her being a mother, right? Because they showcase her as the kids are probably a big reason as to why she does what she does, or she keeps telling herself that that's the, they're the reason why she does what she does, or she makes the decision that she does. So it is interesting. 
not like for men, like the fact that they're ruthless and evil kind of makes them more attractive. (laughs) Women, it's like, oh, let's ignore the fact that she, Griselda killed over 200 people. I'm not even saying that's good, but like I'm trying to understand the psyche of the people who find that attractive in men and for women. They're like, let's ignore that part of like the same story. If Griselda was a man, the same story would be told so differently. Instead of trying to obscure the fact that she did all of these things and we're here trying to understand why deep down she did these things, we would be celebrating her ruthless side. Yeah, that makes me think of like, so there's this like parallel narrative happening with these two women, June Hawkins, a detective, right? And Griselda. Um, they're both trying to succeed or like lead in this, in their own respective male dominated fields. And it almost feels like a sh- they're showing or trying to show two sides of the coin of like this, there's this good one and then there is this bad one. And I think back to like, there's a scene where June is trying to find a way to catch Griselda and she's talking to other detectives or other officers and she says something of like how they're more impressed by the fact that she's a woman doing this the fact that a woman can do all this and that's why they glorify her is the fact that they're impressed that this is a woman behind these like inhumane acts which also means that they're underestimating her as well which is interesting right they're impressed by her but they're underestimating her at the same time and I think that that's also what like is a through line of this entire show is like this where they're underestimating and undermining like the power that these women have and that only fuels them. And I think the only, only people they think they have around them that they could trust at first are other women, at least what he said that it makes me just really think about like, are these really, were these friendships really real? Yeah. I, I, I think part of the, the journey of Griselda is sort of like, she got, she got to a point where she couldn't trust anyone. She got to a point where she was so paranoid, she couldn't trust even the thing she built, which was the friendships with other women, got her to where she was. And then she got so paranoid, she couldn't even trust in that, which she should have been able to trust on because that's the thing that she built. Yeah, true. It should have been the thing that kept her where she was. Because if she'd been... Thinking straight, she she like she should have been able to build that empire in a way that she, like the women should have kept her there um, in a way the men couldn't because the men were always backstabbing each other. But she should have built that on a trust from women. And that was only like the, the, the more the, the higher she got, the more paranoid she got. Like she, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. What mm. happened to her? Yeah, I mean, I, I also found it interesting how. It was still women that kept her on a pedestal, right? Like I think of uh, the mother of, of the of the guy who died. At, like I guess his name is Rico, and his mother was just like still thanking her after her son's death for offering an opportunity, and she was saying how she couldn't wait for the opportunity that she could give to her other sons that would be coming from Colombia, and that only seemed to have fueled her. So it was like these women around her that were few and few as she kept, you know, growing this empire, but they were the ones that kind of believed in her. These friendships, if they weren't business interactions in the beginning, that's kind of what they ended up being for Griselda at the end. Do you have any, like, thoughts on the the actual friendships, like whether it be with Carmen or with Marta that you saw on the show? I mean, I, I, I feel like Carmen is the most tragic one. 
it's the, it's the one that hurt me the most because I feel like there was so much potential there. Like I feel like that was like a, a little bit of a turning point for Griselda in being able to trust sort of like others. Like the moment she she sort of couldn't trust Cartman, who did she really trust? Like I don't know. Mm, like there, there were yeah. moments there, but like it feels like after Carmen, like after she decided that she couldn't trust there, she really like didn't ever really go back and went uh, full on trust. And then she, yeah, she she just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like the way these friendships are told where like it, it, they are all like mini little roller coasters, like the highs and lows of these friendships and how they're down for her. She's down for them until something gets in her ear and then everything turns. Yeah. And then you, we got to think about the fact that she was always high. Like if she hadn't cons- been consuming her own product as much as she was, uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what she could have done. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add about like the friendships that we saw? I, I it, It's sad because I think that was, friendship-wise, I think that was one of the things that was clearly a plot device that sort of needed to happen. She couldn't have a friend. She couldn't have a, a, a friend that lasted because if she had a friend that lasted, the story would have clearly gone differently. So it felt like clearly from the beginning to me when she surrounded herself with all of these women, and I sort of felt, and then one of them was Carol G. And then you were like, goodbye, Carol G. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know? that's true. Carol G's uh, presence was also very short-lived on the show as well. You're like, you're such a big name. You're probably expensive. You're not going to last. Because- <laughs> you think that that's why they got her off? Or, I mean, a big spoiler. Clearly, they kill, they kill her off at the same time they kill off her friend. Isabel, which I really liked their friendship. But yeah, you, you think it's because they, they couldn't afford Carol G for that long? Um, maybe not. <laughs> um, Carol G also doesn't have that much experience acting. She was probably yeah, like... I think this yeah. was her acting debut, right? Yeah, this was yeah. her acting debut. And so yeah. like she, she probably was happy with like a little cameo. But <laughs> but but also, yeah, there, there's a, a through line to the, the show that like if Griselda had had a friend or someone to rely on, on a real partner, she wouldn't have ended up the way she did. So she couldn't have one. And then, and then part of the tragedy of her story is that there are many times where you feel like she could be close to having that partner and then it all falls apart. Griselda is, it's in a way, I think, a story of missed opportunities. And all of those missed opportunities are not romantic, which is, I think, what makes the story different. This is a story of missed opportunities on the friendship side. If she had a friend, yeah. her story would have been completely different. Yeah, I mean, I I think that and it was all her missed opportunity, right? Because these women did try, Carmen especially did try to like get her out of this, out of this scene. And even when she couldn't, she joined her in this industry somehow. And then you do see like the women themselves, trying to just kind of be there for her when she needs them. And the men come in and out. I feel like the women stayed as long as they could until Griselda had them be taken out, but the men came in and out, never really trusted her. So I, I do, that is interesting point of just like, I wonder how this story would have gone. Also, I wonder, you know, Mala mentioned this of like, how true to life is that she had these friendships and, you know, did Griselda Blanco really have these women friendships? Um, 
Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for joining me. And thank you to my co-host, um, Mala Muñoz, and our listeners. If anyone has any thoughts or feels about Griselta, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. <laughs>